It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a sports, sports rush, rush with, with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Good afternoon. It's that time of day for the four to six sports fix here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM, The Sports Rush in balmy Fort Wayne. Up to 45, I believe, today. So we're all quite happy today, not having to have extra layers on as we travel outside. But um, just a few more days until we turn the page on the 2022 year. And uh, for the next two hours, we're going to have all our favorite subjects, sports, 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 Joining me in the studio today is my good friend, Adam Lundy. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith. Got some great guests lined up today. We're going to have a guy that knows the NIL and transfer portal from on3.com. Andy Wittry is coming on to talk a little bit about that and give us a little bit of a education. Then we're going to have uh, later on this in the second hour today, uh, Judge Phil Hauk from the Fighting Irish Preview is going to come on and give us a update on the Gator Bowl and where the Irish stand at that point. Yeah. And I know we're trying to adjust his times because Coach uh, Phil's flying today, yeah. right? And yeah, Judge Phil will actually be joining us uh, from the Charlotte International Airport. <laughs> so we appreciate him joining us here later in the first hour. I just hope he's not flying southwest. Okay, because <laughs> I, I actually, southwest... I know that for a fact he is not because we spoke on the phone earlier today. Okay, okay, <laughs> because Southwest right now is not a very popular airline in the no. in the country. And then we'll have Eric Dukevich coming on to talk all things PSM, Parkview Sports Medicine. But more importantly, their big holiday uh, classic shootout that they're having up at Trine University, that actually, I believe, starts tomorrow. You got it. And boys and girls yep. uh, type of thing. And he's going to come on and give us a little bit of uh, of a run through of what to expect and who to expect. But uh, that's kicking off uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon. So I know they're quite excited because, you know, ever since we lost that holiday classic here in Fort Wayne, it just not just hasn't felt the same. I remember growing up in Fort Wayne, that was kind of the the event that would captured your uh, attention there over the holiday break, so to speak, was the holiday tourney. And unfortunately, you know, we lost that a few years ago, but I'm glad that Parkview Sports Medicine has come up with something to uh, try to bring some of that back. Yeah. But, uh, you know, did you watch the Pacers last night? 
I did not watch the Pacers last night. Uh, I watched my New York Knicks, unfortunately. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But uh, Pacers, <laughs> <laughs> Pacers had quite the game themselves last night. Yeah, and, you know, after losing uh, the other night to the Pelicans, yeah, um, they uh, come back last come back last night and beat the Hawks yeah 129 to 114 buddy Hild healed I knew I'd do it you're right had 28 last night but here's the thing with his performance he was six of seven from three-point range he was kind of I mean he was on fire from beyond beyond the arc so to speak last night so killing it his his production has been going up and he's kind of that three-point guy for them anyway yeah but he had a pretty good night Halliburton added 23 and they've got the Cavaliers coming up at home on Thursday uh at seven o'clock and I think you talked about the other day the um negotiations contract for Miles uh Turner had yeah. opened up correct um, I read today that there's a couple teams that have some interest in him, including the Lakers, which of course the uh, Pacers had rejected the the, the, the Lakers early on, but t- the Raptors as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting here what comes about that because they're going to have to make a decision on what they're going to do there. Uh, they're either going to have to dig deep in the pocketbook, or they're going to have to try to find ways to strengthen their team by you know trading him off, but. With them being where they're at now, and that division so bunched up, yeah. I don't know if that's the right move now, considering all the things that lay ahead of them. I don't know either. I mean, honestly, I think if you keep healed and Turner, you're just going to end up being a play-in team. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, if that's where you want to go, if that's where the, if that was, if that's what the organization decides that they want to do with this season, um, being a play-in team, that's. That's certainly something. I mean, I, yeah. I know a lot of players would rather, or a lot of people, a lot of Pacers fans would rather have them be not as good and have a chance of getting Victor Wembanyama in the draft. But there's nothing wrong with a playing appearance. No, well, it's going to be an interesting subject, uh, you know, a talking subject here now that that negotiation has opened back up. Yes. And the potential of, you know, trading or not trading and where they set up with everything. But. They got the Cavaliers coming home uh, tomorrow at seven, and I I want to say they've got a big stretch of home games as well over here the next couple of weeks. And you know I think it's one of those things now. You know the Pacers could get really hot uh, and on a, on a pretty good win streak. I think they've won what three out of the last four or something like that. So, but they're right now doing well. And uh, of course Halliburton, well, you know he's been on fire. You yeah. Know, ever since that Heat game and. You know, I talked to our friend today, Mr. Brett Rump, mm-hmm. as he lounged on his patio and <laughs> watched the birds. Yeah. Um, he was at that game. Exactly. And uh, he said it was kind of a remarkable game to see in person that type of performance by Halliburton and them beating the heat down there. So that was going to, you know, that one for the uh, Pacers last night was a big pickup win. But did you see the Luka Doncic, historic night last night. Yes, unfortunately, I did. As, I a, as, as, <laughs> as a fan of the New York Knicks, I, I definitely saw it, and I, I heard a lot about it, and I've, I've read a lot about it since. Yeah, so I bet you have. It's uh, fresh on the mind as, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, do you want to talk about what happened, or do I have to do it? <laughs> well, I'll save you a little bit. You can add some the the specialty 
uh, fill-ins here and there, but first NBA player to have what we would call a 60-20-10 game. Mm -hmm. He had 60 points, 21 rebounds officially, 10 assists, and and a game that uh, they won in overtime. Yep. Versus the Knicks, one twenty six to one twenty one, and um, that his performance. I'm sure that you have seen enough of his performance. Yeah, but you, you know, uh, to put up those type of numbers in that in that game, that that had to be just something to watch. It was really impressive. Um, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is that um, Doncic scored like twenty one or twenty three of his points in pick and roll. Yeah. And we never doubled him. Yeah. And it was just really interesting to hear. I mean, he even mentioned it in his po- <laughs> in his post-game conference. He was like, they didn't double me, and so we just kept going to the pick and roll. So there's that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the most impressive play of the Were game. Were you yelling double, double him through the TV? I, I'm not a TV yeller because <laughs> I know it doesn't do anything. Yeah. But it, I, if there's any game that I was going to yell at my TV, that would have been the one. <laughs> Um, but the most impressive play of the game to me was the obviously the the free throw rebound you know yeah. getting it and then putting, putting it up to send it to overtime because uh, that just deflated the Knicks in, oh, yeah. in overtime. I mean, that, I, and I what do you that. do after I hate, that? I hate I hate that those type of plays too. Oh, it's, you know the uh, intentionalness and yeah, you know. But you can't fault him for no. Luca having the night of his career and of course NBA historic yeah. career night with that sixty twenty ten type of game. And the win for the Mavs over the Knicks, 126-121. You know, I don't know if you've heard this one either. Uh, Now, Wake Forest's quarterback, Sam Hartman, who just played in a bowl game, you know, was planning to go into the portal. Right. Okay? And that was his full intentions. And then all of a sudden, after he announced that he was entering the transfer portal, it was being reported that he had committed to Notre Dame. Now, when we have the judge on, we'll be hopefully get a, a better, clear understanding of this. Mm-hmm. But there's a bunch of people now that are basically accusing uh, Notre Dame of, of tampering because uh, there was nobody that knew of what Hartman was going to do until after that game. Mm-hmm. And then after he makes the announcements, reports were breaking that he had committed to Notre Dame. And how fast it all happened. Uh, there's a bunch of coaches out there right now that are talking about the one thing right now that is uh, causing them issues is the potential tampering that's happening all across the country with teams uh, – rosters and um and you know drawing kids away to go play this and making them we'll give you this much money and nil money so now notre dame has this over their head as they head to the gator bowl is the is is there any truth to this and is there any confirmation that he has committed I'm going to ask Adam from on three on three dot com to ask his opinion of this. But, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, Notre Dame finds themselves in a little bit of a a media storm because having Sam Hartman, I think if the if the Irish do get him, if the Irish do get him, Mm -hmm. he immediately adds credibility to their offensive power. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Even with Tyler Buckner coming back, Mm -hmm. and he's a young player. And you've got some other guys in that young room, but there's really, you know, not a lot of uh, age in that room. Now, that could also affect the room, too, if Hartman comes in. Now, he's got one year of eligibility left. So uh, I know that uh, Notre Dame has actively been looking in the portal. That's one of the reasons why Drew Pine actually did transfer because of that. Right. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic uh, with all this. Um, because really the one that broke it last night was, uh, you know, Pete Thamel, which everything kind of goes through him. If you really watch, uh, Twitter and things like that, he's the one that said he was going to enter the portal to go to Notre Dame. And then that from there started the conference and finger pointing and all those things that come with accusations without any evidence. You know, it happened to uh, North Carolina, too, with their quarterback yeah. that ultimately were unfounded. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out from that in a second. We'll certainly find out. And uh, if you want to weigh in on anything that we're talking about here today on the show, 46862 is our Parkview Sports Medicine text line. If you want to text into the show and uh, leave your comments yeah. about anything we're talking about, we'll, I, be, we'll be glad to read them here today on the show. Well, um, I know last week when we had a little bit of this talk on the NIL, yeah. it did spurn some questions, some actual good questions. And that that's kind of what pushed me to go and kind of find this, you know, at, uh, Andy. Yeah, Andy, yeah. Uh, to uh, get somebody that has a little bit better insight into all of it. So if you've got good. those questions, go ahead and give us a text, and we'll be happy to pass them along as time permits. You know, last night in bowl game uh, recaps, we, you know, we updated Buffalo. was The Buffalo-Georgia Southern game was probably the best game as a 23-21 game. Yeah. And then everything in between was kind of lopsided. Yeah. I mean, East Carolina really walloped uh, uh, Coastal Carolina. Right. And then uh, the other one, Utah State, fell pretty bad. Yeah, Utah State fell pretty bad to Memphis. But I did stay up for the majority, not mm-hmm. all of it, the majority yeah. of the Wisconsin-Oklahoma State game. And it was uh, a really good ball game. Now, what surprised me, and I didn't... Uh, maybe look further into it because I, I didn't think Fickle, Coach Fickle, was going to be as involved as he was because he had initially stated that he was going to be kind of standoffish and mm-hmm. let Jim Leonard finish off the season as the interim head coach, defensive coordinator. Well, when Luke Fickle came on and Jim Leonard had basically decided that I'm not going to stick around after the bowl game. Luke Fickle immediately stepped in and took over the head coaching duties, and he was on the sidelines yeah. last night, which was kind of odd. Mm. You okay, know? Yeah, it's kind of an awkward situation. An awkward situation, yeah. and uh, Jim Leonard was calling the defense, of course, but yeah. they come out with a big win that sends Luke Fickle off on a kind of a early season victory for him to get un- uh, things under his belt for Wisconsin, Yeah, but that was a pretty good accomplishment for Wisconsin. There's a lot of you know, distractions in that. And those kids, uh, they really played well last night, played hard. They played with their backup quarterback who had, you know, not played very much. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, exceptional um, last night. So, you know, but Leonard will not remain at Wisconsin. I do do not know where he will land Mm -hmm. as good a defensive court. I mean, he may have options in the NFL um, as far as I know, because he had a 10-year career in the NFL. But time will tell. Uh, for Coach Leonard and Luke Fickle era at 
Wisconsin is underway with a win last night over Okie State. Like I said, we got a good good show going on here today. But before we get to all that and our first break, Adam Lundy with some hot, hot topic areas. Oh, yeah. I've got some top stories for you today. Well, we're going to start off where the Las Vegas Raiders are benching Derek Carr. Coach Josh McDaniels announced today. Jarrett Sidham will make his first career start against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. And undrafted rookie free agent Chase Garbers will be the backup. Sources say the Raiders uh, made this move in part to maintain Carr's health and to keep their options open this offseason, including for a potential trade of Derek Carr. And the Phoenix Suns, who currently have a 20-15 and record and are fifth in the Western Conference, will be without all-star guard Devin Booker for at least four weeks due to a left groin strain that will be reevaluated at that point in time. Coach Mike McDaniel said Wednesday that Teddy Bridgewater is in line to start for the Dolphins in Sunday's crucial game against the New England Patriots. Tua Tagovailoa, who is in the concussion protocol for the second time this season, is considered day-to-day. And some baseball news. Right-hander Corey Kluber and the Boston Red Sox are in agreement on a one-year, $10 million contract that includes a club option for 2024. Kluber, 36 years old, is a two-time Cy Young Award winner whose strikeout-to-walk ratio was the second-best in the American League last year for the Tampa Bay Rays. And those are your top stories today, Shannon. You know, those are good. some great top stories. And uh, $10 million, that pretty nice. Little nice little check yeah, there. Yeah, little nice. But, you know, we're going to step away here. And when we come back, Andy, Andy Whitree from On3.com is going to join us to talk a little bit of the NIL and Transfer Portal here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Call, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush. A nice balmy 42 here in the Summit City. Don't forget the Comets are in action tonight at the Coliseum 730 faceoff against the Toledo Walleye, who did load up on some players from the Grand Rapids Griffins of the AHL. Last week, Adam, we talked about this, the NIL transfer portal, all things new in that arena. And fortunately, I was able to find someone that I think will educate us and enlighten us on some of all that. And that is Andy Whitry from On3.com. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, uh, before we get going here, I want you to kind of give a little bit of background on On3 because that is kind of a new, newer platform that people may not be all too familiar with. Of course, yeah, I would love to. So On3 is just under a year and a half old or so. It was founded by Shannon Terry, who I'm sure that, uh, listeners are familiar with from Rivals.com and 24-7 Sports, and he's assembled a great staff and a huge network of fan sites from across the country. And we have a national team that does, you know, recruiting. We have a three-person NIL staff that does all the latest deal breakdowns and covering collectives and state laws and high school regulations. And so really, you know, tackling this NIL space at its own beat which has been a lot of fun for the last year or so. Yeah, I've had the you know, I've had the pleasure of going on your site and uh as a former uh college football coach uh doing that for 28 years, 
I was just blown away by all the information that was available to the ordinary sports fan about who's in the portal, how they rank, who they've committed to. And on top of that, you know, the NIL uh, stuff that is also new to the college arena, not just football, basketball and, you know, other sports as well. Now, the one thing I have a question on, and I know this is a topic that kind of came up a week ago as well. You guys have on there what they're uh, what they call NIL valuations, right? And like last week, Arch Manning signed with Texas and his uh, potential value was somewhere between three and five million. How do you guys arrive at those numbers or what are the factors that go into uh, coming up with those amounts? Of course. So there is an algorithm that's a proprietary formula that takes two different components. So there's what we call the roster value, which incorporates the role of collectives, right? So these groups of donors that are independent of schools, but they either, you know, help arrange deals. Some might be nonprofits, some are for-profit, um, some might say they're a marketing agency. So one half of it is these groups, right, where there's almost a sense of um, almost a, a roster salary, if you will, right, where there's value in playing certain positions for certain programs at certain schools, right, okay. where maybe there's a true marketing component or maybe because you go to school X, that inherently has value. Then there's the uh, brand value, right, which is maybe your personal brand and what that brings to regional and national sponsors. So if you have an agent and you might have six or seven figures uh, as far as the social media following on Instagram or TikTok, that might be appealing to big brands, right, that want to sponsor uh, you directly. And so there's, there's two components where this is almost think of, you know, Patrick Mahomes has his salary from the Chiefs, but then he's also on, you know, major national ads. And this is almost kind of combining those two things because obviously there's certainly there are true marketing deals and there's some where there's certainly just value by playing you know, at quarterback or running back at certain schools. So our algorithm takes into account um, both your social media following, but also, you know, how good are you at your sport and then what school do you go to? So there's kind of two different sides that lead to those values that you see in on three. Okay. So. If I uh, let's let's flip it over to the uh, you know the last ep- thing that you were talking about there the social media presence. If I have a big social media following and I'm active on it, I'll probably get a pretty potentially pretty good deal to carry on and create content through my social media. Is of that, course. Is, so okay. if, we, if we take for example you know Bronny James right the oldest son of LeBron. He has something like 12 and a half million social media followers, which is just insane, right? This is a, a senior in high school, and that's a super large audience. And if a brand wanted to, to pay for that, they could use that following in his accounts to promote, you know what? He's partnered with Beach by Dre, and he's partnered with Nike. So some major brands have said, you know what? Let's involve ourselves with Bronny, right, given his last name, who his father is. Mm-hmm. He's a four-star recruit in his own right, and he has, you know what? Six and a half million followers on Instagram and like five and a half on TikTok. So it's a ton of social media followers, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, the other part of this that you said in the algorithm is potentially where somebody may go as well as that position that they play. So does a quarterback that goes to Alabama 
have a higher value than the quarterback that goes to, let's say, uh, Notre Dame, for instance? Now, that one is a little bit tricky. Okay. Um, I would say, uh, as a safer version, you know, it's acknowledging the reality that, you know, going to Alabama versus UAB or Alabama State, right, there's a clear difference there. Yeah, right, okay. Um, I now, had a bad example. <laughs> well, no, no, that wasn't a bad example. It's just more of, you know, those are the, the playing field there as far as those opportunities might be closer uh, between Alabama and Notre Dame. But it's acknowledging, right, that Alabama State and Alabama are not on the same level. Just as, you know, playing quarterback for Alabama is not the same as being the long snapper. So mm-hmm. it's just acknowledging those realities, too. Right, right. Okay. Now, you mentioned something in there that I think is uh, good there, but I want to make sure I get this out, first of all. High school kids... Uh, in the state of Indiana cannot participate in an NIL deal while in high school because it's outlawed in the state of Indiana. That's because of their state legislator and how they view amateurs uh, and professionals. So that's one thing. Now, I know a lot of states are starting to change that, but Indiana has not. So I just wanted to kind of get that out there if somebody was thinking about that one. But you mentioned something about these NIL collectives. Kind of talk a little bit about these collectives because I was trying to read up on it and I kind of understood it, but then I kind of didn't because there's kind of all different types of them. That's right. So, you know, collective, it's kind of this catch-all term, right, Shannon, where like this is a new era where, you know, like a year and a half in, uh, it's still so new. And this is sort of this catch-all term where, like I mentioned, some can be nonprofits. Uh, at least that's what they claim, right? We'll see if someday the IRS ever checks out the map mm-hmm. and decides that they have not lived up to the status they've filed for. Uh, there are some that are for-profit, that are, you know, just true LLCs. Um, you know, some kind of, they resist the term collective and say, you know what, we are a true marketing agency. Um, you know, we find true marketing and brand deals on behalf of the athletes we partner with. So there's a lot of different organizations, like you touched on, that can fit under this one word. So it's kind of this this vague, all-encompassing term. And it's fair to say that, you know what, not all collectives are alike. And there's okay. roughly, call it 200-plus nationally, where certainly some schools, um, you know, Michigan, Virginia Tech, they have, call it about four, uh, four or five each, I believe. So some have multiple, right, where some might have a certain uh, sport they focus on. Some might do athletes across all sports. And we even see, you know what, I think there might be some at the NAIA level, um, at the FCS, at so the lower level of Division One. Right. There are some for, for those schools. So it's obviously it's a huge deal at the Power Five and call it the top 10 to 15 schools nationally. But even schools that may not have a football program at all, it might be a basketball school, they have collectives now too. So it's just these groups of donors and alumni and successful business people that have said, you know what, we're going to have this organization and either – you know, maybe we pay them directly. We might facilitate deals, and we're there to kind of to do things that the schools just can't, based on state laws or the NCA rules. Gotcha. And I'm sure we could do a really deep dive into all that, but unfortunately, we don't have that type of time or, or <laughs> how much I like to. Now, who are you know who are making these deals for these athletes? Now, I know the NCAA has a certification process that if you wanted to be that person. You have to be a certified NCAA NIL, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, big time guy. So uh, what what is it uh, that, uh, who are these individuals that are making some of these deals for these kids in, uh, in college? 
So are you asking as far as you know the, the collectives or well, just individually? Just, like if I if, so much going on in that. Yeah, team. like if I'm going to, to Alabama as the quarterback, who am I going to go out and say, look, can you? Uh, I want to sign you as an like an agent or is it a lawyer or who are those people? See, that's a great question, right? Because it can truly vary. You know, there's, you know, I know that there is at least, you know, one attorney that kind of acts as an agent. Um, I know that there are currently some college students that operate as agents. There's some recent grads. So there's really, um, and these oftentimes are people that are registered agents. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also the reality that, you know, what anyone can sort of slap on their Twitter bio, I am an NIL agent. Um, and now because they said so, they sort of are, if that makes sense. So there's really, there's not, kind of like collectives, there's not one standard definition. Um, maybe it could be a relative, maybe it could be a former high school classmate or, or college teammate. Um, it could frankly kind of be anyone and everyone, which makes this landscape um, so murky at times. Well, I appreciate all the information. And like I said, I know I, we could spend an hour on this subject and never get all the way through it. So I at least appreciate you kind of bringing us up to speed. You know, I know the Sam Hartman situation is what's on tap right now. Uh, has there been a decision on whether he's going to Notre Dame or not? Um, as far as, so what right now it's 434 Eastern. I have not heard one. I know that I've heard, uh, you know, he was tied to Notre Dame. I don't know if that's, you know, official, if that's going to happen. Okay. Um, and I think that's a great point to, a great example, right, to point out because he was someone that had still a year left, like a lot of these quarterbacks do. We're seeing, you know, fifth and sixth and even seventh year seniors announce a return for next year. And it's because if you're a great college player, but maybe not a great pro prospect, you could probably make more, uh, either maybe guaranteed money, if you want to call it that, or, or more money by coming back to school, which is really interesting. Yeah. Well, a- hey, Andy, I appreciate you jumping on here today. And like I said, maybe we'll get you back on to do a little bit further deep dive into this subject material because it is fascinating and it's also a little bit worrisome in that regard. But uh, thank you for coming on, and I wish you a happy new New Year. Yeah, you too, Shannon. Anytime, happy to join you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks you. That was Andrew Whitry from on3.com. We're going to step aside, come in, and then when we come back, we're going to talk to the judge, Phil Halk, of Fighting Irish Preview on the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back here to the Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush, and we're going to jump right into our next guest. Joining us now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is the judge, Phil Halk, from the Fighting Irish Preview. Phil, thanks for coming on. Shannon, great to talk to you. Uh, do you have any idea how hard it is to find a somewhat quiet place in an, inter- <laughs> in an international airport during the holidays? <laughs> yeah, and I've been to Charlotte. There's, there's not many nooks and crannies that you can find there at the Charlotte airport. But it sounds like so far it, it hasn't been a too bad of a trip. No, I'm not on Southwest Airlines. <laughs> and... Uh, no, I'm going to get into Jacksonville in a couple hours uh, and uh, looking forward to the Gator Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it'll be my uh, eighth bowl that I have been to for Notre Dame as uh, covering it as a journalist. and uh, But for my partner, Tim Priester, who I do Fighting Irish Preview with, this will be his 34th bowl that he has covered. Wow. So, 
Wow. There's a lot of experience there. He's been th- been uh, been through a few of them, and you're going down to my neck of the woods. I lived in Jacksonville for basically a cup of coffee in between my time at Ball State and coming back up here to Indiana to be the head coach over at Manchester University. Yep. So I know the area well. It's a great town, and there's some legendary things that happened. That was the bowl game that Woody Hayes punched the Clemson player that ultimately cost him his job at Ohio State. So there's a lot of history with the Gator Bowl. It, they do a great job with it, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it down there. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, and I can tell you where I was when when. <laughs> When uh, Woody Hayes took that shot at that uh, player as he was going out of bounds, or after he got yeah. up, after he went out of bounds, and uh, I certainly remember that. And this is for Notre Dame. This will be their fourth time in the Gator Bowl. Uh, this is, and as you said, it's it's a Gator, it's a bowl that's been around for a very long time, yes. Shannon. It is since 1947, making it the sixth oldest uh, bowl game in existence. Believe it or not, so. Uh, I'm looking forward to the experience there. I hear that uh, the folks down there in Jacksonville treat everybody really well, and uh, we're ready to play football in well, about 48 I, hours. I think you're heading at the right time with the weather. I think it's probably going to warm up a little bit. I'm sure you knew that it was a balmy 41 here today in the Summit City. But before we jump into it, I want to get your take on this because this has been the uh, hot topic for the pretty much of the day with uh, the uh, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, who entered the portal, portal, and Pete Thamel reporting that he had committed to Notre Dame, and of course that has exploded into tampering allegations and cheating and all this stuff. Have you had any any more clarification on that or uh, background for the Notre Dame faithful? Well, I'll tell you what I do know, and I, I don't have any. Uh, thing that's immediate on that topic, and I had caught a glimpse of, uh, of a little bit of the news that uh, that was starting to blow up a little bit as far as uh, somebody's alleging tampering. I'll, I'll get into that story real soon and find out more about it, but it's been really reported kind of under the radar uh, weeks ago that this was a possibility, and um, this is not unusual if you look at how uh, it's gone for other uh, players as they enter the porthole portal. They they seem to commit rather quickly to certain teams, and you just know that there's been some sort of communication that probably has gone on. Well, there's a way to do that, and I don't I don't know. I'm just this is pure speculation, but there's a way to do that that would be consistent with NCAA rules. Yeah, and that's uh, discussion through intermediaries. Yeah, uh, and I. You know, if Notre Dame, if they're anything, they do try to they run their program by the rules. Well, the, yes, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I would uh, highly doubt that they would do anything that would jeopardize themselves or even the student athlete in this regard. But so. if it's Notre Dame, it's uh, you know the allegations going to be made because for everybody that loves Notre Dame, everybody else has got a. <laughs> The opposite opinion out there. I mean, everybody's got an opinion on Notre Dame. So yeah, uh, well, it's likely to be a story uh, for a time to come. And I think Sam Hartman's probably going to Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, it make only because it makes sense for him to go to Notre Dame. Sure, it's the it's the most premier program that's out there that he can go to for one year. Right. 
uh, and likely be the starter at. Yeah, no question. I think that it would if it if it happens, I think it immediately improves uh, Notre Dame offensively. But oh, let's jump. Quite a bit, quite yeah, a let's bit. jump into this Gator Bowl here against South Carolina, and also. Uh, tell me about the Gator Bowl special that you're going to be doing at 2 o'clock, a half hour before kickoff on that. Yeah, well, we'll follow the regular format of Fighting Irish Preview that I think fans may be familiar with if they <laughs> have listened to the right. radio in the last 26 years. Uh, but me and Tim Priester, uh, who I already mentioned on this call, uh, we, we, we'll talk about the game. Uh, you know, we do some predictions. We do some keys to the game. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Sam Hartman. Uh, we recorded this yesterday, and, <laughs> yeah. and Sam Hartman was a topic already yesterday, uh, as well as opt-outs, opt-outs, and how do you replace uh, the world's greatest college football tight end and Michael Mayer for this game, and right. strategies that Notre Dame may follow to do all that. Uh, we have the hallmark of our show for 26 years is that we try to wrap everything up in a nice little package so that if you've had no time to follow anything – about Notre Dame football, if you listen to our show, you'll be ready to watch the game. Well, I know it's been, I know you guys have done a tremendous job with all this, and and I know, like you said, you do things very, you know, 30 minutes is not always necessarily the longest amount of time to cover something, but you guys have always done a good job with that, and I'm sure your listeners out there really appreciate the effort that you guys go through to make it a very informative 30 minutes, but... Wanted to get that in that you are having a Gator Bowl special prior to that game. Now, playing a hot, hot South Carolina team, uh, I believe, though, right now the the Irish are, what, two-and-a-half-point favorites? Yep. What, you know, I guess what are some of the things that you look at from this game that scare you about uh, South Carolina? Because when you look at statistics, they're very similar to Notre Dame in a lot of well, categories. Uh Spencer Rattler, uh, if you if you throw out throw out the first uh, ten games of the season and just look at his <laughs> last two games, right? And he has been everything that uh, his five star status from whenever that was three four years ago would would seem to indicate. He has thrown half of the touchdown passes that he's thrown on the entire season in the last two games. Yes, he is he's thrown for almost eight hundred a combined eight hundred yards, and this didn't come against just anybody. He, he beat uh, Tennessee sixty-three to thirty-eight. That'd be now five weeks ago, six weeks ago, and then Clemson the next week in a rivalry game at Clemson came out victorious in that game, thirty-one to thirty. So certainly, uh, the Irish have to be concerned about a really high-powered uh, passing game, and particularly Spencer Rattler. Now, the good news is, is, unlike Caleb Williams at USC a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was now. Uh, Rant, uh, Rattler's not the runner. He's not the scrambler. Uh, more of a, a traditional style quarterback, although he moves in the pocket very well. He's yes. not going to run the football a lot. And uh, so that makes them a little one-dimensional. And one other thing that makes South Carolina a little one-dimensional is that their running game uh, just has not been good all season long. I think uh, they're averaging about 120 yards per game rushing. Right. 112th or 113th nationally in that category, and their top running back uh, uh, is in the transfer portal yeah. and will not play. Yeah. So uh, that makes them one-dimensional. And I and from a if I'm a defensive coach, and you know what I'm talking about, coach. Yeah. Uh, you make them one-dimensional, and uh, 
you know, a team with as much talent on it as Notre Dame, they ought to be able to come up with a game plan to keep that sort of thing under control. And, um, of course, you know, in 40 days or 38 days since the last game, a lot can happen. Mm-hmm. And teams can change a lot of things. Uh, but I like the fact that uh, they Notre Dame ought to be able to make South Carolina one-dimensional. And I like the fact that South Carolina has given up a lot of has given up a lot of rushing yards as well this year, and that's, of course, placed to Notre Dame's strength uh, with Audric Estime and Chris Tyree and mm-hmm. Logan Diggs, and now Tyler Buckner, who is a much... Uh, one thing you can say about him, his passing may not have been all that great in the first two games this year, but he certainly can run the football. So you got a running quarterback and a great running attack, big offensive line. Uh, Notre Dame's got to like those, to, those uh, odds. Yeah, I, and I agree with you about South Carolina. If I'm the defensive coordinator from Notre Dame, I'm going to play coverage and force them to run the football and tell them beat us running the football because you can always adjust to the run a lot better than you can try to throw something together to, you know, uh, adjust to the pass. And then, of course, schematically, you pick your ch- you pick and choose your times when you want to go after him. Because well, like it's gonna you- be a, Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, Shannon, it's going to be an interesting matchup to see uh, their best receiver, uh, Juice Wells is his name. Yeah. Uh, a big kid, uh, 800, 900 yards receiving this year. Uh, and the matchup between him and Ben Morrison, the uh, outstanding freshman for Notre Dame, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Another good thing for Notre Dame is that Tariq Bracey, the nickelback, and arguably the most consistent and best uh, pass defender for the Irish all season long, uh, who was not available for the USC game due to injury, is back and apparently 100%. How about, uh, you know, I guess in a quick fashion, so to speak, you, you mentioned Tyler Buckner. How has things been for him now coming back after going out? What I think it was the second game of the season. You know, Drew Pine had kind of led the way up to this point. Pine's in the transfer p- portal, and now Tyler's coming back. How has that, I guess, that transition gone, gone now him reintroducing himself into the lineup? Yeah, well, re- uh First of all, I mean, it, it's a surprise that he came back. I went back and looked at uh, the press conferences and the announcement of when he got hurt back in September. And the uh, point that what they said at that point was that there is no chance he would be back for anything this season. Hopefully he'll be right for the spring. So he came back early. Uh, but, <laughs> excuse me, the word is, is that he's been uh, strong in practice, that he learned a lot during his time off. He spent time, if you, if you watched Notre Dame games closely, you would have seen that he was up in the booth with Tommy Reese, and so he was viewing the uh, the games from that uh, standpoint, and uh, he he uh, he's, a, he's a kid who I think is adaptable, and, and you know, he's gung-ho, uh, ready to go, and everything we've heard is good. We've also heard good things about Steve Angeli, the freshman. Right. We've never heard any. I've never heard anything bad about him, and the only thing I really know about him is when he played in the spring game last year, and he he led the winning drive in yeah. that game uh, for for his team in the spring game, and 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 was the uh, outstanding offensive player of the game. Uh, and Steve Angeli is uh, just good things we've heard about him. I have a hunch that you're going to see both Tyler Buckner and Steve Angeli yes. in this in this football game. I wouldn't I I, I yeah. wouldn't doubt it one bit just for the standpoint of getting him ready in the case you know just in case the uh, Tyler really can't go. But 
Hey, I appreciate you jumping on here in between flights down there to Jacksonville. Uh, remember, you can catch the Fighting Irish preview Friday at 2 o'clock right before the Gator Bowl with the 21-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on the number 19th-ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. Judge, Thanks. I appreciate you coming on today and safe travels. Yeah, thanks very much, Shannon. And you can also always check me out at FightingIrishPreview.com. Uh, plenty of articles, the great photography of Chad Ryan, who's oh, already yeah. already down in, down in Jacksonville. He's been sending me photos this week, and uh, we'll have this, this game covered from, from wall to wall for the fans back in Fort Wayne. Well, you do a tremendous job with that, and I know that Chad Ryan is really good. But safe travels. You we'll bet. catch thanks, you on we'll catch much. you on Friday. That was the judge Phil Hauk from the Fighting Irish preview here on the Sports Rush 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. We're going to step away. We'll be right back right after these messages. <laughs> 